Well, it is uh, Easter Sunday, and we're pretty excited uh, after a week of uh, mourning and focusing on the cross, and many of you uh, were uh, fasting, uh, and so we come to uh, Easter, and we obviously ready to celebrate, so uh, uh, for uh, those of you that were here first, uh, let me just try this out on you. He has risen. Wow, you're all just such good, like church people. I mean, you just got this all nailed. This is great. Uh, well, I, I do want to talk about uh, the fact that Christ is risen indeed. Obviously, it's uh, Easter Sunday. Uh, it's also uh, one of those things where you need to, I need to acknowledge uh, who's in the crowd and who isn't in the crowd. Uh, for all of us that are uh, followers of Christ, and uh, particularly for those like I just said, that have gone through uh, Good Friday, have gone to Good Friday services. We've spent a lot of time in contemplation, in meditation. It's been heavy. It's been uh, difficult to process, uh, focusing on, on Christ's death. Uh, and so uh, finally we get to Sunday, and uh, we're just super excited that Christ actually rose from the dead, and we want to celebrate that, and we want to worship that. So in terms of uh, crowd dynamics, uh, Sunday, Easter Sunday is really a strange crowd dynamic day because uh, those of you that are like me, we're just like super excited. This is a great celebration and we want to put uh, words to this. We want to experience dance. We want to experience the joy of God. But I also realize that many of you here are here because you, you know, some family member dragged you in here. So um, I feel sorry for you. Uh, I, I acknowledge that you're, you're like under duress and, and you're just like you're trying to endure it. Uh, I'll try and be as, as brief and as entertaining as possible for you. Uh, I, I don't like people falling asleep. That's why we serve the really strong coffee. But that's a secret. Uh, but uh, then there's a lot of you that are just, you know, you believe in God and, and you're just happy to be at church occasionally, Easter uh, is one of those occasions, and I just want to say you're welcome. Uh, it's just great to have you, uh, but I do acknowledge that the crowd uh, dynamics are a little uh, different, or you know, everybody's got a, a different reason for being here. Some are real excited and some aren't, and it's unlike any other event when people gather together. I mean, if you're a Pats fan, you don't go to the game unless you're really a Pats fan. So everybody at the game is like super excited because you all want to watch the game or, or you want to watch the Red Sox and it's just like super exciting. Uh, nobody's going there because they're sort of half interested. You just can stay at home and watch it on TV if you're half interested. So there are different uh, dynamics that take place and, and you can uh, feel it in, in the room. Uh, but, you know, talking about uh, coming back from the dead... Uh, you remember two Super Bowls ago, uh, it was like a dreary Super Bowl. We never thought the thing was going to uh, have a good ending. And then, you know, Malcolm Butler, interception right at the end. It was like a resurrection of the dead. It was a great day. But it's nothing compared to this. Nothing compared to this. Now, I've got to tell you a little story. There's a very good friend of mine, uh, friends of ours, Liz and I, in the church, that gave us an incredible gift recently. Uh, and it was a gift to the Hanover Theatre. Now, I'm still not quite sure why they gave me us the gift. Uh, part of it, I think, was they were just seeing that I'm just so serious and I need to lighten up a bit. And, you know, like they were just saying, you know, church, you just seem so like down. Uh, that might have been the reason. But on the other hand, I was thinking maybe the reason was that they felt that we need a little bit of culture and we need to get a little sophistication and, uh, you know, get up on that and, 
And so uh, we were very excited for the, the theater tickets. So uh, Liz and I got to choose what we we're going to see. And uh, I was delighted because there was a night of Queen. So, of course, I chose Queen. And a night of Queen was just like totally awesome. And, uh, and Liz, on the other hand, she was Celtic woman. So, you know, uh, we got all the culture that we needed uh, uh, there. And uh, the night of Queen was quite a night for crowd dynamics. Uh, uh, we had uh, Freddie Mercury resurrected from the dead, I think the guy thought he was anyway. And uh, so, uh, you know, after the first song, We Will, We Will Rock You, and he's doing the Freddie Mercury thing, and he's got this Freddie Mercury mustache, and he's down to his vest, and he's sweating, and his white thing, and he's running up and down at super high energy. But then he forgot that it was, you know, 2017, and most of us were just living in the memory of, of 1982 you know, or something. And so half the crowd is sitting, and half the crowd is standing, and it's just this weird crowd dynamics. And this guy's just doing his thing. He's going nuts there. And finally, he's like, he's so frustrated. He says, get off your, I wouldn't even mention it in church, or just go home. You know, he's just like, <laughs> so it was just great crowd dynamics. And I was just having a wonderful time, you know, rocking and just, it was just, just great. And then we come Celtic women. There was no problem with crowd dynamics. Everybody needed to be seated. And it was very orderly. And it was just very sweet. I mean, just a very, you know, voices from heaven. But then I got totally sidelined because they have this guy dressed up in a kilt, comes out of his bagpipes, and he plays Amazing Grace. And like out of nowhere, I'm in tears. I mean, uh, you know, for many of you, you like might hear Amazing Grace, and it's just like Amazing Grace. For me, it's like I hear the, the lyrics to that song, and it just like cracks me up every time, especially when somebody's dressed up in full... Uh, you know, bagpipes and with all the, the regalia that goes on with it. So anyway, uh, very different crowd dynamics uh, at, at that time. But uh, talk about uh, today, uh, it would be a totally understatement to say that Jesus' resurrection from the dead wasn't just a total game changer. I mean, throughout history, uh, everything changed. The dates changed. Uh, we're still celebrating Easter today. We're still super excited. Uh, the fact that God is moving in our lives uh, is, uh, is super exciting. And uh, there is just something about, uh, you know, whether it be Amazing Grace or whether it be uh, Handel's Messiah uh, that gets played. You know, Handel's Messiah, just out of interest's sake. It's been played every single Good Friday since 1876 in London's Royal Albert Hall. Because there's something, when we connect with God, there's something that just comes alive in us uh, when we can put it to music. There's something which is stirred up in us. And I'm not surprised that, you know, Amazing Grace or Handel's Messiah or something gets traction. I mean, you know, Queen in like another 10 years, they'll be saying, who was the greatest rock group ever? You know, Queen what? Is that, you know, people just forget about it. But Handel's Messiah, probably not. You know, it'll just keep going strong. So Christ's resurrection has just had incredible dramatic impact. But the most profound impact is that he's moving in lives today, that there's something uh, alive about Christ. He's stirring our hearts. He's changing us today. Uh, and that's the real reason why we get together today to focus on that and to talk about that and to celebrate that. So uh, that's exactly what I'd like to do today. And, uh, you know, as best as I can understand my job uh, as in a sort of my priestly role, uh, if, I, if I boil it all down, my job is to help you connect with God. And 
I can't force God on you. I can't prove God to you. All I can do is, as best as I can, position you so that you can experience the love of God. And if, if, if I can, in some way, shape, or form, facilitate that you encounter the love of God and the reality of Jesus' resurrection, then I've done everything I need to do. And so uh, let me just pray that God would indeed uh, do that today. Uh, Lord, I just... Uh, welcome you here. We reflect back on your crucifixion. We delight uh, and get excited about your resurrection. But Lord, we just ask for your Holy Spirit to just sweep through this room and allow us to experience your love, that you know each one of us personally, and that you love us, and that you've made a way for us to be connected to God the Father. So Jesus, we just thank you for what you did even though we can't fully comprehend it, and we certainly don't understand the methodology of why you had to do this. So, Lord God, we're just delighted that we have an opportunity to connect with you. And I just welcome your presence uh, here today. In your name, Jesus. I also just pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing uh, you know, to the Lord this morning. I want to give you a, a, a quick uh, tour guide of where we're going today. Uh, what I'm saying. I, I want to talk about four uh, things about the resurrection. Firstly, the significance of Jesus overcoming death. Uh, you know, and each one of these could be a, a huge amount of uh, thought and a lot could be said. I want to talk about that, though. The significance of Jesus overcoming death. Uh, the validation of what Jesus said and did as a result of this. And I want to talk a little bit about the fact that we have access to God. Then I want to finish off by looking at the significance of the Holy Spirit, the sort of handoff that Jesus did to the Holy Spirit to be with us. So uh, if you've got a Bible, uh, whether you're following on your phone, I encourage you to look at the Gospel of Luke, written by Dr. Luke. And uh, in the Gospel of Luke, uh, I, I particularly like the Gospel of Luke because it's meticulous. Uh, the author, Luke, being a doctor, he took a, a great uh, care to write things down uh, well. Uh, the Gospel of Luke is also known as the Gospel that focuses on prayer. Uh, but uh, I want to read a little bit about uh, the resurrection. So if you're following your phone or if you're following your book, uh, your Bible, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And I want to start in Luke uh, chapter 23, verse 55. And it reads as follows. As his body, that's Jesus' body, was taken away, the woman from Galilee followed and saw the tomb where his body was placed. Then they went home and prepared spices and ointments to anoint his body. But by the time they were finished, the Sabbath had begun, so they rested as required by the law. But very early on Sunday morning, the woman went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified, and they bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. 
Remember what he told you back in Galilee. The Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered and he, uh, that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what, had it, what, in, what indeed had happened. So, you know, we just have this uh, account in the Gospel of Luke of uh, people knowing what Jesus was going to say, knowing what he was going to do, but still being totally surprised and then just, you know, ecstatic with, uh, with the fact that Jesus had re been resurrected. Now, of course, there's this whole transition which is still appropriate for us today. It's like, really? Like, what does it look like? And how do you overcome doubts? And, and how do you line up the facts with, uh, you know, the reality that we just tend to want more and more facts? And how do we experience the resurrected Christ? And, and that's why uh, this is just a terrific section of uh, Scripture as we look at this whole narrative of the resurrection. It's almost like we need several Easter Sundays to just to unpack this. Uh, and in fact, we do unpack the resurrection of Christ uh, throughout the year in, in church time and preaching because it, it has such great implications. But uh, in 1 Corinthians, uh, it says this. 1 Corinthians 15, and I've kind of summarized it. If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. You know, it's a, a startling statement and it's very helpful. It's like we're not interested in a whole bunch of religion and just doing a whole bunch of rituals and just doing things for the sake of doing it. It's like either Christ has risen or he hasn't. And if he hasn't risen, then let's just pack up our bags and go home because it's really we're just wasting our time. But if he has risen, then let's experience the risen Christ and the impact that that has in our lives. Uh, actually, that wasn't all in there. That was me. I'll just try and stay with the verse. I'll have to read it again. This is what it says in the Bible, not my commentary. It says, If Christ had not been raised, then your faith is useless. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The end will come, and He will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power for Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For the scripture says, God has put all things under his authority. And so straight away, we encountering some of the mystery uh, of living this life. And that is that Christ's intention is to overcome death. And yet, you know, from our standpoint, from the moment we're born, we are facing death and we think about death and the older you get, the closer you get to death. And many people are paralyzed by it. Some are, are not so paralyzed by it, but not too many people like look forward to dying. You know, and yet Christ is saying this is an, an, an aberration. Uh, this is not the way it should have been. It's not the way God planned it. God wants us to have eternal life. So there's a now perspective and there's also like a future perspective. Uh, but Jesus' resurrection from the dead, it totally transformed everything. You know, Jesus wasn't the first person to be raised from the dead. I mean, many people have been raised from the dead. Uh, in fact, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And remember, Lazarus was dead. I mean, he was in the grave for four days. Now, he wasn't in a coma. 
you know, he, he didn't get like submerged in freezing cold water and his brain like, you know, froze for some abnormal long time and then he, you know, resuscitated. No, he was stinky. He was dead. He was rotting. You know, Jerusalem's a hot place. The climate's warm. When you're dead for four days, you're not, it's not, not good. Jesus raised him from the dead. Uh, and not only that, if you read the account in Matthew's gospel, when Christ was hanging on the cross, when he said it, it's finished and he gives up his spirit to God, uh, we see a, a really spooky account uh, of a whole bunch of dead people, holy dead people, righteous dead people, coming alive out of their tombs. And the funny thing is they hang out at the graveyard. They don't like, you know, book it down and get a, a beer down in Jerusalem. They hang out in the, in the graveyard until Jesus is resurrected. And then once he's resurrected, then they do book it down, down to Jerusalem, get someone to eat and have a beer. I mean, can you imagine being down there at the pub? It's like, you died a few, like a year ago, two years ago. What the heck are you doing alive? I mean, it would have been a pretty bizarre time. So we have a number of scriptural accounts of people, dead people coming alive. And even to this day, we still hear accounts of people that are dead. I mean, I'm not talking about like, you know, just like in a coma. I'm talking about dead, dead coming alive. We hear these accounts. Now, I do admit they're extremely rare, but they do happen, and they are still happening. But none of them have the impact of Christ's resurrection. I mean, all these dead people died again. But, but Christ, when he rose from the dead, he didn't die again. He's still alive. This is the remarkable thing. And so uh, Jesus says this about himself in the book of Revelation. I am the living one. I died but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. I mean, somehow or other, we've got to link uh, Easter with God's resurrection that Jesus is into and doing something a whole lot bigger than we can fully comprehend and get a hold of. He's got the keys of the grave. He has a desire to, have, to give us eternal life. Uh, he has a desire to give us a meaningful life before we have eternal life. Uh, John 3, 16, uh, John 3, 36 uh, says this. And anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. From God's standpoint, it's a very, uh, you know, it's, there's two options. You either for God and with God or you're against God. And he said, if you're for me, this is going to be awesome. You have eternal life. And if you're not for me, it, it, it's pretty gloomy. It's not a good place to be. And, you know, Jesus is saying, I want everybody to be for God. He doesn't want people to be like stuck in the middle. And so part of, uh, you know, Easter is saying, I don't want you to be stuck in the middle either. I, like Jesus, I'm pulling for you and praying for you and encouraging you to receive Jesus and to allow the Spirit of God to live in you, to transform you from the inside out. Uh, it's an awesome thing. Uh, and then we can agree with the Apostle Paul and say, Oh, death, where is your sting? Because death does have a sting. But if we have faith in Christ, if we're expecting eternal life, the sting isn't quite the same as if you have no hope at all and you're doing everything possible to just try and stay alive for as long as possible with whatever means possible. Uh, not a good situation. 
Well, let me just uh, move on. I'm not going to spend equal amount of time on all these different points. You'll be happy to know, so I'm going to go pretty quickly on points two, three, and four. Uh, point two coming up now quickly. Oh, now I'm on point three. No, I'll just check if you're awake. Uh, point two, a validation of what Jesus said and did. Now, all of a sudden, when you read the Gospels again, you have to kind of go back again and say, well, these are some pretty crazy things Jesus said. Uh, but now they have authority. Now they have meaning because he rose from the dead. And so we have to look at the scripture again and again. And, uh, you know, one of the things that Jesus says, he says, I'm God. Uh, another thing that Jesus says is he wants all of us to experience the love of God. Uh, Jesus is saying, I'm trying to make a way possible so that every one of us can live this life, not alone, but with the Holy Spirit within us, uh, experiencing the love the joy, the direction of God. And uh, God is telling us that we don't deserve this. God only wants perfect people. And He wants you to be absolutely perfect. Not good, not good enough, not 90% good, not 99% good. He wants you to be 100% perfect. And the smallest little defect, however tiny it is, will totally disqualify you. Because God is perfect. God is perfect, and He wants perfect people. And as soon as we get that realization, it's like, okay, I am not perfect. I mean, you don't have to really spend a lot of time analyzing yourself to realize that you're not absolutely perfect. I mean, if, and if you still feel that you are, just you, you, you kind of need to see a psychiatrist. <laughs> or just speak to your spouse. They'll tell you more than... <laughs> but Jesus says, look, I want to start something new. We had the old covenant, covenant, the way of doing things, and I want to start a new covenant. And he says in Luke uh, chapter 22, he says, After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement con confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. But if we look at the rest of the story in the end of Gospel of Luke, uh, Jesus appears to the woman at the tomb. Uh, then he miraculously appears to two guys walking the road to Emmaus. And the thing that's so bizarre or interesting or really uh, challenging for us is that they don't recognize it's Jesus. He's walking with them and he doesn't, they don't recognize him. The only time they recognize him is when they finish the journey and they break bread together. And then when they break bread, they say, hey, this is Jesus. And just as they're getting excited because now they want to talk to Jesus, Jesus disappears. I mean, it's like very mystifying. Let me read it to you. Uh, then the two from Emmaus told this story of how Jesus had appeared to them uh, as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself suddenly standing there among him. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Uh, you know, this, is, this gives us encouragement. We will always be doubting. There will always be parts of us like, I just don't understand, or God, are you really real? I mean, for crying out loud, his disciples saw him firsthand, and they were like doubting. And Jesus knew that they were doubting. Uh, Running forward to uh, verse 31, it says, Still they stood there in disbelief, 
filled with joy and wonder. And then Jesus says something so practical. He says to them, don't you have anything to eat? You know, yeah, 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 they are. They're just like totally amazed. They're just like total joy. That's like so excited. You know, it's, it's Easter Sunday. It's like, it's unbelievable. And, uh, but at the same time, they're like, is this really real? Am I, is this really Jesus? Am I seeing things? I've got this right. He was crucified. And this is a Christian life. We experience God's joy and his wonder while we simultaneously have to deal with life with its doubts and like our confusion and wondering where is God and a whole bunch of circumstances in our lives. And yet at the same time, we experience God's love. Uh, it's part of the mystery. And the more we get to know Jesus, uh, the better we're able to bridge some of these challenges in our lives. The third point I'm trying to make is that we have access to God. We have access to God. I mean, this is just a, a phenomenal thing. It's not like we pray and then, you know, God, if you're anywhere out there, somewhere, perhaps, maybe, you know, potentially, uh, you can hear my prayer, you know, and if you're on another gal galaxy, maybe it takes, you know, a couple of days, light years, who knows how, but if mystically somehow you hear this, you know, this is my prayer. No, I mean, God is saying He knows every one of us. He knows every hair on our head or how many we don't have or what we're thinking and what our desires are. He knows us that personally. I mean, how do we comprehend that as people? We cannot. But we can experience God's love. And we can know that God really loves us. I mean, I don't know how it was for you when you came to faith. And I know I've shared this, my own story many times, and I'm not going to share the whole story again. But let me tell you how I did not find Christ. I did not say, you know, I want to use scientific method. I'm going to do an intellectual study of whether Christ really did rise from the dead. In fact, I'm going to go visit Jerusalem and see the exact sites and maybe do a DNA sample and interview a few people. No, I, I didn't do anything as smart as that or as clever as that. Uh, you know, I simply responded to my wife saying, how about we go to church? And I thought, well, where'd that come from? What a novel idea. And in doing that, uh, Christ, and I wouldn't have understood it. I wouldn't have understood the language. I found that Christ connected with me. And it connected with me what seemed to be just like strange coincidences happening in my life. And it's like, afterwards, I was like, there weren't coincidences. There was God leading me and directing me. But there was something inside of me that was being experienced. Now, this, I can tell you, is absolutely true for me. If I'd have read the Bible before I had received Christ, it would have been the best recipe for me to fall asleep like instantaneously. I wouldn't have even known where to pick up the, you know, which book to start in the Bible. But just say I, by chance, because it was my lucky day, I happened to pick up the book of Luke, and just say by chance it was my lucky day, I happened to be reading this very exciting account of the resurrection of Christ. I, I, I could honestly tell you if I made it through like three verses before falling asleep, it would have been a, a, a amazing. And yet, something has totally transformed within me. I mean, I find like if I can't read the Bible on a daily basis, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm missing out on something uh, because I feel like God speaks to me in this. And it's no different to what the disciples were experiencing. I mean, look at this. He uh, say, he asked him for something to eat, and they give him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate there as they watched. Then he said to them, uh, When I was with uh, you before, I told you about everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms, that they must all be fulfilled. But here's the 
the key verse, 45. Then he, Jesus, opened their minds to understand the scripture. Wait, 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 wait. We can't miss this point. It is not that the disciples were so smart and they sat down and they read the scripture and then they understood it. It was the other way around. This is the way it works. If you get this, you get everything. Uh, Jesus opened up the scripture to them. It's an inside job. It's like unless the Spirit of God internally opens up the scripture to us, it's just a good book to fall asleep with. But if the Spirit of God is living within you and you start reading the scripture, it starts coming alive. And that's what God intends. So the, the mystery of the gospel, the back to frontness of it is, we need Jesus or the Holy Spirit living within us. We need to invite the Spirit of God to live within us to help us intellectually understand God and to understand the Scripture. Uh, it's not like we push God out there and say, I'm so smart, I can reason this all out, I'll figure out God, I'll intellectually... No, you, you, you won't get there. The way you get there is very back to front. It's to say... God, I sort of believe, I think I believe you, uh, maybe I believe you, uh, you know, I believe you. Jesus, please come and live within my heart. Holy Spirit, come within me and live within me and help me to understand who you are. And as you do that, you go through this lifelong, awesome exercise of learning and getting to know God more and more and clearer and clearer. And we grow as a disciple of Christ. We don't do it up front. We do it with an inside job of the Spirit of God coming to us. And that's why, as my last point, uh, this was great big handoff. And Jesus says, at the end of this gospel, he says in verse 49, And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised, but stay here in this city until the Holy Spirit uh, comes and fills you with power from heaven. Uh, Jesus is saying to him, Look, it's been great hanging out with you guys. But I can't be all places at all times. I need to like, be out of this limitation of my human body. I, it's good news for you. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. And when my Spirit is here, I can be in all people all over the globe simultaneously. And that is going to be a, a huge blessing. But God is also saying, Jesus is saying, but I need to give you something. I need to give you power. Uh, this is the exciting story of the resurrection of Christ. Uh, Jesus doesn't leave us and abandon us. Uh, you know, and now that we have this Holy Spirit within us, uh, we want to, going forward from next week onwards, uh, I want to keep uh, preaching from the rest of Luke's story because he finishes the gospel and then he starts another book in the Bible, Book of Acts. And in the Book of Acts, we start seeing, okay, where did he go after Easter Sunday? How did that work out? And it's pretty awesome. And it's still happening today. For all of you that are from Brazil... I want to tell you something which I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, over the last, I don't know how many years, maybe the last 20 years, Vineyard is a new movement, uh, has been working in Brazil, mostly, I think, uh, Vineyard churches in the Columbus area. And anyway, they have now started over 100 Vineyard churches in Brazil. And mostly, if you are from Brazil, in places that you've never been to in your country. Uh, because not many of you go to the Amazon River, and not many of you go to the Amazon Delta, where most of these churches are. But the vineyard is also in all the big cities. And through, as if you're Brazilian, you'll know that this is like a miracle of God. They got all the Brazilians to agree that they can have their own vineyard movement, 
And so once you become your own vineyard movement, then the vineyard's like released in Brazil to do whatever they want to do. You don't report to America. America doesn't tell you what to do. You just like take this good news and go with it and run with it. And that's what is happening in Brazil. It's really exciting. So now they've got a, a unified Brazilian thing. And next week, I'm taking uh, the youth, my wife and I, and taking uh, Lily and Emilio dance with us, and we're going to Spain for the exact same reason, because we want to be sharing the good news of Christ and help the Spaniards to develop their own movement of vineyard churches uh, through Spain. And we've been doing this for like a long time, and we haven't seen a whole lot of stuff happen. But finally, now in Barcelona, we have like a really big healthy vineyard. Like they're way over 200 people, bigger than us. They're thriving. They're doing really awesome. And finally, the local Spaniards can say, I can see what a vineyard church looks like in Spain, in Spanish culture that is totally Spanish. And so our job as we go along, uh, we're not going to Barcelona, we're going to Cordova, is to help the vineyard church in Cordova. Just like, how do we partner with them? How can we help them? But actually, how can they help us? Uh, that's the other part of us because it's a partnership. And uh, indeed, that's what we're going to do. So next week, uh, I really encourage you to be here as we kick off the, this new series. And I'm totally excited because not only uh, do we have a new series, but it's a new generation which God is working in their lives. And we've got Sarah uh, uh, Watson from the vineyard. They try to plant a vineyard in Providence, Rhode Island. She's coming up here and she's preaching. And I'm just so excited when I see you know, younger people, Sarah's in her early uh, 30s, a millennial, uh, excited about preaching the gospel, excited about giving your life to Christ. And I'm excited when I see the, our folks in their 20s excited about Jesus. And I'm excited when I see our teenagers excited about Jesus. This is not just, you know, the club for you and I, us old guys, as we hang out here. You know, it's like we've got to let other people in the secret. Jesus has risen and he's working in all age groups. And people are excited about Christ for whatever age group they're in, because God wants to uh, work in us and through us. Anyway, I'm going to uh, stop there because I do want uh, our worship team uh, to come on up. Uh, and, but I do want to just uh, pray as I uh, close out. Uh, Lord, you send your unfailing love. Uh, you say in the Psalms that your unfailing love surrounds those who trust in you. And so, Lord Jesus, I just pray that today we can experience your unfailing love. Lord, for each person sitting here today, you would show them what's the next step that you would have them take to know you better. And Lord, how you can benefit their life. Lord, that they would see that they need you and they need your guidance and they need you to provide and they need you to bring joy and excitement into their lives that we can't find in any other way. So Lord, I just lift up this Easter Sunday. What an exciting time to experience your power overcoming death, rising from death, and imparting in us the ability to have eternal life too as we trust in you and put our hope in you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.